hoping uh, that there's no one in the studio tonight who shouldn't be so that we get excluded. Welcome to Hand of Pod. Gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to episode 308 of the internet's best, longest-running and only English-language Argentine football podcast. I'm your host, Sam Kelly, and this week I'm joined by Andres Bruckner. Hello, Sam. Welcome back, Andres. Thank you. How did you enjoy the last week in football? It's, it's really great when your cat, who hasn't gone to the toilet all day... There's someone else enjoying ...to, uh, right to go in and have a nice from the sounds of it, yes. quite active shit, just right when you start recording. Uh, I apologise for any background noise that you hear. I don't particularly want to shut her in the bedroom uh, today because she's feeling much better than she has been doing for the last couple of weeks. Um, so as long as she doesn't try to bite Andres's feet or something, she's going to be out here with us. Um, Andres, how did you enjoy the last week of football? Well, uh, it was... I, I, in my point of view, a bit dull because of the non-scoring goals for uh, for River, um, but and in, in fact it was a low-rate goal scoring uh, these two rounds. You know, I am not wrong mm. uh, in the entire Superliga, but there is something remarkable which uh, may seem not that important, but I I usually forget about these things. But this time I, I remember to, to, to say this, which is that there were three goals, uh, just as a colorful uh, piece of information, uh, three goals that were incredibly similar and weren't clean goals, were uh, goals in which the ball was deflected by a defender mm. uh, between the first and the second round. Uh, in the first round, there was the only goal scored by Boca against Tajeres uh, that of course was given to Pavon but it was deflected on a defender that I think it was Godoy and in this round there were two of those goals that uh, the ball got into the net sim- very very similar way that's why I, I, I tell this um, one was uh, for Aldo Sibi against Huracan in the equalizer I think because Huracan started winning that match and then Aldo Sibi turned it the to score to to win two one and in the first goal for Racing that beat Vélez two 0 the first goal goal by Lisandro López uh, yeah. was also a goal very that, that he wanted to 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 put the ball in some some place and it went the other yeah. because it was deflected incredibly deflected deflected by the defender uh, and of course it ended in a in a goal and those three goals were I I, I remember it, them very much. Because of this, because it were in, uh, sh- sh- strangely, or or uh, I say something that doesn't happen very usually, uh, scored in a similar way because of the deflection. Mm. Yeah, as you say, it's not been a particularly high scoring um, first couple of rounds. The average has gone up quite a bit uh, from the first round to the second. In the first round, uh, we had I've just counted them up while you were talking nineteen 
um, goals in 12 matches and in this second in 13 matches of course because Independiente and San Martin de Tucumán joined the party this weekend um, we had 26 in 13 so it's gone from slightly over one and a half to exactly two goals per game on average but obviously even two goals per game is, is not fantastic it has been pushed up as well a bit by the fact that we've had yet more 2-2 draws um, I'll take you through all of the scores from the weekend just gone Tacheres lost 1-0 at home to Rosario Central in the first match of the weekend on Friday Newell's Old Boys and Independiente drew 2-2 in Rosario a little bit later on uh, on Saturday, Defensi Justicia won Atletico Tucumán 1, Banfield won Gimnasia 0, Argentinos Juniors versus Godoy Cruz and River against Belgrano both finished goalless in both cases uh, with the home side looking far and away the better team but not really able to create any, any real chances uh, to speak of. On Sunday morning... San Martín de San Juan beat Patronato 1-0. I say morning, it kicked off in the morning and ended in the afternoon. Uh, Colón and Tigre drew 2-2 in Santa Fe. Aldo Civi beat Huracán 2-1 um, in Mar del Plata. I was about to say La Plata then. That's the only match so far, I think I'm right in saying, that one team has managed to score two goals and concede, and which hasn't ended up in a draw. Um Right after it, San Lorenzo raced into a 2-0 lead and then were pulled back to draw 2-2 with Lanús. Racing beat Vélez 2-0 in the Cilindro that evening. And then on Monday, um, which was a bank holiday in Argentina, if you're wondering why these two games kicked off so much earlier than you might be used to watching them on Monday evenings, Estudiantes uh, beat Boca 2-0 in Quilmes. That put an end to Boca's... Uh, famed run which goes back to December 2016 of being top or joint top of the league um, and San Martín de Tucumán claimed a point 1-1 at home to Union in their comeback to the top flight um, I was going to say something well clearly was that that was the perhaps headline of the, of the week or, or the weekend mm. uh, shocker the, the last uh, during the last episode when the one who previewed the matches or the results uh, against yourself, uh, we said, no, it will be a draw, or, well, Boca won't lose that much. Well, finally, uh, well, there will be one, Boca will lose a match one day, uh, but we didn't thought it would be uh, against the Estudiantes. Indeed. I'm going to hit the pause button for a second. Um, and... Uh, I'm going to put Latrice in the bedroom okay. with her toy because I think she is scuttling about a little bit too much. I'm back. Yes. <laughs> uh, Estudiantes uh, win over Boca. I had, it was sort of a lot of people afterwards were, were saying, oh, you know, they, they were way superior. Uh, Boca were absolutely awful. I didn't think Boca were awful, actually. I, I didn't manage to watch the, the game at the time, but I, I rewatched it later on that night. Um, and I, I thought it was a bit harsh to say that Boca were awful throughout. I thought, actually, in the first half, I thought they were probably just about the better team and in the second they just seem to fade um, whether that's some fatigue from the midweek trip to Barcelona um, or whether it, it, it's a, a general kind of an, an effect of, of perhaps not being as dominant in their play as some of the results that they were getting for a long time just finally catching up with them I'm not sure but Estudiantes have started really well yeah. they've, got, they've got a couple of young kids um, yes, Pellegrini, Apaolaza, uh, I, I don't know whether Noguera is a youngster, but he, does, he doesn't have a face of, a, of, of being a kid, 
but yeah. I have uh, I haven't seen him very much. Um, but yes, that's something basically classic. Uh, it's a classic feature of of estudiantes that of putting kids that are well aware of what what estudiantes means or playing at the first division of estudiantes. Like they have they they know that they belong to a fi philosophy or a, an identity. Mm. Something that it was discussed that Boca doesn't have, and of course they they. There is a lot of people saying this because Boca has, uh, has lost the game. That Boca has players that are all the time are sign they, they sign players that aren't uh, that don't belong to of course the, to Boca the year divisions, and that's why it's uh, difficult to find players at Boca that they they feel like what is to play there. Uh, and Estudiantes has a lot of examples of this, having a, a lot of kids like you said. Uh, one of, of them uh, scoring a, a goal the, the other day or the other, the other week or two weeks ago against Gremio Acaolasa yeah. was the one who scored the goal a magnificent goal uh, a, like we, we have already mentioned a, a, a player that has just signed his contract mm. as a professional player and he played against Boca the other day again uh, and yes they applied uh, that pressure in the midfield not, not letting Boca play and that's something, of course, that it's easy to say, but very difficult to, to, to put into practice, uh, to not let Boca play. Because if Boca moves the ball, you can press a lot, but you will uh, be out of position to, to, to get that ball. So it was, a, I think, intelligent, uh, like it's already, it's usually, usually said, it's intelligent, perhaps, uh, draw by, by estudiantes and the way they played, uh, knowing that they didn't have the quality or the the, the uh, and the amount of players that Boca has, but they uh, playing all together with that pressure and not letting them play uh, will have perhaps uh, better results. Of course, perhaps anyway they they could have lost the match, but it was a good result for them. And well, uh, after that, after that, uh, two nil in favor of them. We can we we must say that uh, that pressure and that uh, not letting Boca play was successful. Yeah, and a slightly weird decision uh, from Guillermo Barros Esqueroto to, to use Maro Sarate as this kind of false nine rather than as the number 10 behind yes. the main striker. Ramon Avila was left on the bench, um, and when he came on with, I'm trying to remember where it was, about uh, 25 minutes to go, um, it, 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 they started to to look a little bit more joined up, but I think by that point the damage had been done and the momentum had been kind of lost um, I mean if, if Sarate is going to be in the team then you would expect him to be more of the you know the number 10 role in behind the main striker in something like a 4-2-3-1 rather yes. than a false nine dropping off and feeding balls into wingers who yes. are Edwin Cardona and Christian Pavon neither of them are you know, centre yes. forwards I mean they, they did this last season as well with trying to play Tevez as a false nine um, uh, and, and, and it didn't really stick then it's clearly a system that Guillermo Barras Escalotto likes but I'm not sure that they have quite the right um, player to use in that role. It's like he gives more importance to the system than to the players mm. that he has to put in that system. Precisely, yeah. Um, it, it seems strange. I mean, the, the one not at all strange thing is that Sarate is playing ahead of Tevez. Um, Tevez was an unused sub against Estudiantes. Anyway, it was Izquierdos who uh, got injured and that's why... Uh, Oh, good point. Yes, yes. He had to yeah. to like burn burn a change. Yeah. He, he was replaced by Paolo Goltz after only five yes. minutes. Um, 
And so, yeah, of course, that's, that's right. Tevez might well have played if it weren't for that. Um, but Dario Benedetto is apparently coming back in for Boca, which is going to be a big boost to them because they need somebody who can lead the line. Um, I mean, I, I think Ramon Abina can do that, but uh, for some reason, Marosek Kilota doesn't seem to think that. Maybe it was just for this game. Maybe he's trying to rotate the squad. The Copa Libertadores second legs are coming up. Uh, not this week, but but next week. So maybe it was with one one eye on that. But this is is this is is it expected for him to be just against Libertad for the second leg? Well, precisely. I mean, Benedetto wasn't fit still um, for for Monday. Apparently, he is now. Um, he's been given the okay, but. Um, you would have thought that at least some playing time to allow him to get match sharp. Perhaps, yes, this week, weekend, and then perhaps have more minutes against Libertad in Paraguay. Yeah, but Estudiantes, I've, I've thought, actually have looked better yes. uh, this season so far. They, they required a very, very late penalty for them not to get a point away to Godoy Cruz um, on the opening weekend. And Godoy Cruz, of course, had a phenomenal home record last season. Um, so I think that, that that was you know very worthwhile. San Lorenzo, by the way, have just scored uh, 19 minutes gone, and they've got one 0 up against Nacional de Uruguay. Um, in the Copa 16, first, first row. Yes, it is. First leg, sorry. Um, this is the tie that San Lorenzo got into. You might remember last week, uh, thanks to that thumping 3-1 victory um, over Deportes Temuco, which was actually a 3-1 defeat, but they were given the first leg 3-0. Um, uh, thanks to uh, administrative errors we'll be getting on to more of that a little bit later for other reasons um, before we do though I think we should give some praise to the Superliga leaders at this early stage after two rounds the team who are top of the league and who are not called Boca Juniors for the first time if you listen to certain bits of the Argentine press who ignore goal difference uh, since December 2016 and that team called Rosario Central two wins from two matches Two goals, no goals conceded. Both of their goals have been headed. Well, Ebausa team. Yes. Do you know that? Yeah, typical Eduardo Edgardo Bausa. And do you want to know the best thing of all, possibly, or maybe it's just a coincidence, but I think it could be fate. Last season, when Tacheres played Rosario Central, it finished one 0 to Rosario Central, and the goal was scored oh, in the sixty-second minute by Fernando San Pedri. And this season, Fernando San Pedri scored a sixty-second minute goal for Rosario Central to beat Tacheres 1-0 and they were both in Cordoba um, so anybody who says that uh, the universe doesn't have these things all planned out and, and the symmetry isn't a thing is, is lying to you it's, it's real this is a thing um, they were Central are, are not a team who I suspect we are going to be um, penning gushing eulogies to this season uh, their style of play isn't going to be quite as entertaining as it was under Eduardo Codet. Uh, it's fair to say, but they're getting the job done, and it's a job that they need to get done because, as we'll mention in a few minutes' time, and as Hand of Pod Patreon supporters um, already heard me mention um, from the the Hand of Pod extra that I recorded on my own on Sunday evening, it, it, it's the relegation battle for Central is real. Um, they have picked up six points. Nobody else down there in the table in the, in the relegation battle has picked up more than I think three so far from these opening two games so they've already put themselves well clear of that as well as you know obviously being top of the league after two rounds doesn't mean an awful lot even when it's only a 26 round season um, but they're doing things the right way so far they, they look a lot tighter defensively um, albeit Tacheris have now looked disappointing in both of their matches 
Um, but uh, Central aren't going to challenge for the league. You know, in in the long term, I doubt that they will. Um, but they are looking a lot more solid, and like say. Copa Sudamericana qualification shouldn't be out of their grasp I wouldn't think if they continue to play like this Tachez looks a bit, perhaps like the change of players now but for example I don't know who replaced who was the one who uh, has gone for for Tomás Pochettino to be there the former defensive justicia midfielder and also Boca for a former Boca midfielder but uh, he had a, a pair of chances of clear chances to score as a as a center midfielder, uh, and he couldn't uh, finally get them well. But uh, it looks like Tacheres lost some, some, uh, some. Yes, uh, they are some, some. They are not that team that uh, uh, were like convinced in the way they they had to play, and of course has to do. Some in some cases, there there it has to do the the coach in the in the in the way they they. Played the matches and, and I think Kudelka was key there. Even when, of course, they lost Reynoso some time ago, then then Olaza, then when Santiago Silva, and the, uh, in fact he didn't play uh, all of the matches uh, from the first minute. But uh, yes, of course, it's the other way round for Tacheres, losing both matches, and well, they have, of course, they will have to improve a lot, and but it's still. Like like you said, like uh, the, you have just said, uh, it's only two rounds. We praised Vélez, for example, uh, in the, during the last episode, and now they lost two nil. I I said, I said they can lose uh, the following match, and we will say that they weren't so good. But they lost against Racing now. Exactly. Yeah, it's a slightly higher caliber of opposition. Um, and and the point last week, I think, was more that Vélez were were winning a match that they would have struggled to win last season they, I mean they did as I said last week they, they did beat Newell's last season as well um, but they, they made it look like quite hard work and last week mm-hmm. in, that, in that opening match they didn't they, they, they won quite comfortably um, it, the, the real test I think for teams like Vélez is, and, and indeed for Central is, is going to start you know, when, when we're a little further into the season um, but just looking at Tachera's losses uh, I've just googled them quickly to remind myself um, Marcelo Torres left Cristian Ramirez left Santiago Silva left which is a, a blow to them in, in attack Matias Pisano Rodrigo Burgos and they haven't mentioned here the chap who went to Boca whose name I've forgotten yes. what's his the, name? Whom? The, the guy who went to Boca Olasa thank you Lucas Olasa mm. um, so they, they've lost a few players I think Cristiano Ramirez and Santiago Silva the, the two main men from that list um, and they brought some interesting uh, names in, most obviously, of course, Tomas Pochettino. Um, but but they need to, so far in these opening two matches, they, they, they've not looked like they're hitting anywhere near the same heights that they did last season, which is no big surprise. It was a difficult level to maintain. Yes. Um, but it's remarkable but because they, they, I, I, won't, I wouldn't say that they, they, fought, uh, they, they uh, were in the fight for the title, because Boca were clearly the favourites, but they they were the seconds. The, the, yeah, the, the, they had that late surge. The, and, yeah, they the, they were in the second position, uh, uh, and they looked like a pretty team, or at least a team that was nice to, to watch. And now now in these two, at least in these two rounds, of course, losing only for one goal, but they lost both matches, and it looks like yes, very different. I think that Boca does. 
tactics are in in the long term maybe he can be a decent replacement for um for Kudelka, but in in the immediate short term there are some changes there clearly as well which are affecting things. Um, so central top of the table, Argentinos and River Plate. Neither of them are. Neither of them are going to be after the next round of matches either, um, because neither of them could score. Argentinos hosted Godoy Cruz and drew nil nil in a match which, as I said earlier, was largely. Um, dominated by Argentinos with Godoy Cruz having a few um, forays forward but not really creating very much of real threat um, whereas River completely and totally I mean it, it was the same but even to a, an even greater extent uh, River were completely dominant Belgrano didn't get out of their own half almost literally for the entire first half um, and in the second I think I can remember a couple of Belgrano counterattacks maybe yes. River's issue though I mean people talk about a lack of cutting edge up front um, about uh, Lucas Prato not being able to finish chances and, and, and things from time to time when, when this happens but I think the bigger issue is to me when I hear cutting edge I always think that that's you know that's the strikers failing to put the chances away but watching it in spite of the fact that River had umpteen shots let's, let's look up the actual numbers um in spite of the fact that River had all of these attempts and uh, and all of this possession and, and, and normally had the ball, you know, not only um, a lot, but also in, in useful areas of the pitch, I can't really remember them creating any chances which were nailed on, which were, you know, really clear goal-scoring opportunities. It I was mean, uh, mostly long-distance uh, shots and, or, or casualties, like the, the, two, the two 16, situations. 16 yes. shots to Belgrano's two. Yes. Of which nine were off target and seven were on target. So yeah, that's, that's the, the, clear. The problem no? there is not that they can't yes. get shots on target. It's Numbers are clear, but they don't. They don't tell us. Uh, yes, the the way they they uh, that that shots were were made or mm. created, and uh, the two more the, the closest situations in which River were was were about to score were from a defenders of Belgrano. Yeah. Uh, one hit in the post, and the other one uh, it was. Uh, Rigamonti, clearly the man of the match, yes, uh, being doing a lot to to clear the ball and and hurting to the with the post also, uh, but both deflected or uh, trying to be cleared by a defender. It was a, a heavy rain uh, night again, so River couldn't. If you are, uh, if if I want to complain about the the field, I will say that in the fall, in the previous match. The the, the the pitch was awful because of Huracan Stadium. Oh, speaking of that, Huracan um, are being fined by the Superliga oh. for that. They, they've been fined the cost of 500 Populares terrace tickets, which is equivalent to apparently 175,000 Argentine pesos um, for that. Why that didn't happen last season, who knows? Because as we said last week, this is a problem yes. at Huracan Stadium that, that's been there for a year. Since and, wh- that and why there weren't any, any Superliga man uh, there to 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 check yeah. whether the stadium because uh, they they watch on TV the match on TV and then they say oh that was awful hmm. well let's find Huracan it's of course not serious anyway sorry you, you yes. were saying um, about the pitch in, in Monumental yes and, and the Monumental was heavy because of the rain so uh, there were no uh, ideal conditions for real even say it's a more mostly a joke because uh, uh, if River can't create the, those clear chances, it's not because of the of the pitches uh, or, or the condition of the of the 
of the weather or whatever this of course hmm. indeed um, Fernando Quintero started that, that was Man. nice the best um, he was clearly River's best player as well as you say uh, the, the man of the match award I think deservedly went to Belgrano's goalkeeper Cesar Rigamonte um, and the positive news for River although they didn't score at one end was they didn't concede at the other which means that Fernando no not Fernando what am I talking about Franco Armani um, has now surpassed River Plate's league record um, of minutes without conceding a goal. He went past it in about the 72nd minute or 62nd minute or something like that. Um, a, a record of, I think it, before it was 609 minutes, which was a record that um, Ubaldo Filiol uh, set twice. He, he did it once in 1966 and then the tail end of 1967 and then for the first bit of 1968, um, he went exactly another 609 minutes without conceding. Um, and Franco Armani has now surpassed him. He's still got some way, as one of our uh, questions later on uh, mentions, to go before he reaches the all-time Argentine league record. He's also got some way to go before he reaches River's all-time record in all competitions. Um, but um, yes. well done him. Filiol himself uh, uh, congratulated... Armani saying, yeah, you're now in the in the river history, of course, that's uh, something good, but uh, in, in the other way, of course, if you don't concede goals, you will draw for sure, but if mm. you don't uh, score goals, you will not win for sure. Exactly, yeah. Of course. Um, Argentinos, as I said, quite similar dominance-wise. I'm going to look at the statistics now and see whether they tell the same story. So what did we say for River? Just now 16-2 in terms of shots, and it was 7-0 in terms of shots on target. Argentinos, uh, 8-1 in terms of shots to Argentinos, and on target was 3-0. So, as I said, not not to the same extent as River, but still very much the dominant side against a Godoy Cruz side who started quite slowly. As I said earlier, they needed that last-second penalty in the opening weekend to beat Estudiantes at home. Um, they Paul have Fernandes, Paul Paul Fernandes, Fernandes and Garro are the ones yeah. that uh, are not there. Perhaps uh, that's so many different, so so big difference. Two 0 to San Lorenzo. Nicolas Blandi inevitably has just scored. Mm-hmm. It looks like they might actually win this one three one on the pitch. It also makes me wonder how bad Nacional are because we're not really paying much attention to this game. We've just got it on the television. Um, but yes. to be losing two 0 to San Lorenzo after thirty two minutes, well, we'll get on yes. to what happens if you go two 0 down to San Lorenzo in the first half. Actually, in a few minutes. Yes. Um, but yeah, Godoy Cruz look like on paper. I think they still should be able to to get things together. But Leandro Lencinas is not linking that well with Santiago Garcia up front. Mm-hmm. I don't think. And Fabricio Anquileri bursting forward from the left, where he was previously, sort of just behind Paul Fernandez. Um, and now he's got Angel Gonzalez ahead of him, who's struggling a little bit in that role. I think he's not quite the same driving force. Um, I fancy Godoy Cruz to play themselves into some form at some point. They've, they've still got a, a, that phenomenal home record to fall back on and the muscle memory, if you like, of that has to kick in at some point. Um, but Argentinos really are going to be kicking themselves, I think, for not picking up a win there because they're going to be one of the teams who are down, maybe not in the very thick of the relegation zone, but they're not a million miles above it. Um, they should have won that one. If they don't have Barrios and Nicolás González, Barrios wasn't that... Uh... Uh, well, wasn't so good uh, the last season, but he's not there and as a striker. And mm. Nicolas Gonzalez, I mentioned him uh, uh, last time in last episode. He 
left to, to sign for Stuttgart in Germany and uh, um, but Alexis McAllister I remember that play very well lost missed him oh yeah I'd forgotten about that yes. that was a horrible but shank but we straight to the videos of the missed goals yeah his, his brother Kevin the left back uh, had a really good game I thought particularly in the first for the first hour or so um, he, he was he was very good but yeah Alexis otherwise he, he himself wasn't that unimpressive he just missed that absolutely horrible yeah. chance after the match of course he he made that classical joke uh, that the, his teammates insulted him because well of course yeah. they, they matched in the nil and he lost that, that goal indeed we shall now move on to why yes. San Lorenzo might not be celebrating just yet having gone 2-0 up against Nacional as I say there are 34 minutes gone now in that match in this you mean the, result? The, the worst result sorry indeed yes in, in the Superliga at least it's been the most dangerous lead to have as the old cliche goes and it's so far being proved this season um they went 2-0 up thanks to a Nicolas Blandi goal in the 30-somethingth minute um, on, when was this one? Saturday, wasn't it? Uh, yes. No, it was on Sunday, no, Sunday. 19th. Um, that was in the 36th minute, so it was a little bit later in the day. And they ended up drawing 2-2 with Lanús. It was an interesting one, I thought, because in the opening weekend there were three matches in which, I mentioned this last week, three matches in which one team went 2-0 up and then the match ended up going being held to 2-2. Two of those matches involved San Lorenzo and Lanús. Um, Lanús gave away a 2-0 lead against Defensa Justicia and San Lorenzo went 2-0 down and then gave away uh, or managed to claw their way back to a 2-2 draw against Tigre. And now San Lorenzo went 2-0 up and Lanús pulled it back and made it 2-2 with a goal right before halftime from Sebastián Ribas who has now scored 2-2 two two for Lanús which is an even better average than he managed last season for Patronato having previously never managed to score. Uh, in a, quite a long career playing as a centre forward and I don't mean literally never in case you're new to the podcast but his record has been astonishing since coming to Argentina and then in the first minute of the second half Nicolas Taller scored his first goal for Lanús a young centre-back heading in from a free kick um, and we were all thinking God, this, this, this second half is going to be brilliant and it's also <laughs> for once maybe it'll be a match in this Superliga season where it goes to 2-2 at some point and there are more goals in this because there was an entire second half still to play and they both had chances to win it it was pretty entertaining actually compared with what I thought San Lorenzo Villanueva was going to be given how poorly they both played up until it appears that point to be the last something few months that prevents, really entertaining but they couldn't score it appears to be something that prevents team, prevent, uh, teams to uh, continue scoring after 2-2 because it was uh, several matches like you said Colón Tigre was 1-1 one, one or 2-2? Two, two? I don't remember the, the score. Uh, this weekend just gone. Colón versus Tigre finished 2-2. Two, two. Well, yeah. that's... No one didn't go 2-0 at any no, point. No, of course, but... but yes. Um, but, yeah, it, it's quite peculiar. Nobody has yet scored three goals. And of the teams who have scored two, it's only Racing, Vélez and Aldo Sibi who've managed to hold on for the win. Um, oh, and Estudiantes, sorry, of course, against Boca. Um, and two of those teams Racing and Vélez Racing against Vélez did it and Vélez were the only team who did it in the opening weekend and that's something strange because the, the matches or at least this, the, the parts of matches I watched and in, even the videos that Superliga make with the five mm. or four minutes uh, of, the, of, the, of the matches I, I, I watched poor defending uh, like non-marking or, or leaving, for example, for the second goal uh, for Racing uh, against Vélez, 
scored by Paul Fernandez, who was incredibly alone. Yeah. Similar to the goal for San Martín Tucumán, that he went into the middle of two defenders of Union. I don't remember the name of the one who scored it. Oh, I can't either. I'm looking it up now. I was hoping I'd, that it would uh, come to me, but it isn't the, going to. The, the equalizer was scored by, by Zavala, the Uruguayan, yeah. for Union. And, and there were uh, a lot of goals that way in which the defenders were like... Franco Costa. Thank you. Was the scorer for something I think uh, they took about. Uh, that's, that's why I, I, it's, uh, for me it's, it's strange not to have more goals with this defending. Uh, and I, I, of course, I, in general, generally speaking, not all of the matches or not all the, all of the teams defending like that. But, uh, yes, strange. Yeah, um, it is. Uh, it, it doesn't bode well for the future of the national team in in defence but then the presence of the national team in defence is not great either and I guess we're seeing the symptoms of that now Um, the other two too as as Andres says was Colón Tigre I'm just going to ask you did did you watch this one? I didn't we we weren't expecting it to have four goals it's fair to say I think but Clemente Um, Rodriguez scored there uh, again after six years I think or something like that and he appeared wow. after after the match with the cap that say CR three the 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 letters yeah like I I I imagine that he was imitating Cristiano Ronaldo because well, of the CR maybe he's he's imitating Luis Rodriguez right. of Atlético Tucumán yes will be with his PR seven uh, <laughs> baseball cap that's P for Pulga which is his nickname um, which, which went uh, viral. In Argentina and in South America, after the Copa Sudamericana, after uh, sorry, Copa Libertadores win over Atlético Nacional, which we talked about last week, um, they also Tigre in that match uh, hit the post from a penalty. Federico González. Um, incredibly, I watched that play. Incredibly, Federico González uh, after hitting the post, there were doubts whether the ball was in or, in or not. Of course, there is not mm. not bar, no bar still in the, in the Superliga, uh, and there were some doubts there. Well, the referee didn't allow that goal, but the incredible thing is that Freddy Gonzalez went for the ball again, and of course, because of the rule, the rule says that they can't... Oh, before the goalkeeper yes. and anybody else had touched it, yeah. So he can't go for it. Yes. Yeah. Um, other noteworthy results, I mean, Aldo Civil Rakan is, is was a slightly surprising result. It was Aldo Civi's first win since returning to the Superliga. Uh, they went 1-0 down, actually, quite early on, uh, 11 minutes in to Diego Mendoza, and then Ivan Colman, the former Rosario Central midfielder, um, and Matias Pisano scored in the second half to give them a 2-1 win. Um, Denis Strakonorsi has joined Aldo Civi now, which I had yes. missed, or hadn't... Yeah, no, let's just say I've missed it. If, if, if I had come across it when it happened I'd completely forgotten about it by the time this game started um, so well done Aldo Civi and you were going to say uh, no 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 I was uh, I thought that you were uh, you would say the, the result and then pass to the Vélez uh, Racing Vélez match but no I, I couldn't catch much of, uh, of Aldo Civi against Huracan but it's anyway strange for Huracan which is Alfaro well, Alfaro known for the well Defending teams that uh, uh, having lost after after uh, scoring the first goal, of mm. course. Yeah, um, Racing, as we kind of we, we've talked about this match a fair bit already, considering that we haven't actually talked yes. about it yet. Uh, Lisandro Lopez scored that very early deflected goal that Andres mentioned earlier on. 
to put it to make it one nil. Guillermo Fernandez scored that very badly defended second goal, as Andres also just mentioned, um, to make it two nil. And in between, Venice had some fairly decent approach play um, at times, but I thought that really the, the main problem was that Matias Vargas. Uh, who is playing sort of nominally out on the left wing, but really is, is the main creative fulcrum for Vélez. Um, it looked a little bit alone next to his midfield partners, particularly um, you've got Gaston Jiménez um, and Lucas Robertone, who Robertone is supposed to be that, the player in, if you like, the central sort of number 10 role, the, the, the player 4-2-3-1, broadly speaking. But he was sitting back a bit too deep and, and having to sit on his own hands a bit and, and not probably do as much from an attacking point of view as a player in that position is normally expected to do and as a result a lot I thought too much of the creative onus for Vélez is on Matias Vargas who is a, by all yes. um, to all appearances is a, is a promising player he's, he's in um, but well marked uh, well, he's well marked Lionel Scaloni's yes. um, national team side to go to the United States and play Guatemala and, and Colombia uh, I think it deserves to be there from what we've seen of him so far if you're looking to new talent to bring into the national team. Um, but for Venice on Sunday, he looked like he was trying to do it all on his own. Or he looked like he was being obliged to do it all on his uh, own. Yes, Sorry and he was, over your no, he was very very well mar marked by, by Racing has, uh, as Chacho Gaudet team. Uh, perhaps during some time uh, during the match, uh, they lose that energy because they can't play at the same level or the same speed during 90 minutes. But they, they, it's like they exhaust their their rivals mm. with a lot of pressure and a lot of marking. And of course, if they have to mark someone of Vélez, it's that is Vargas. And, and of course, he Vargas. I think that followed that uh, something that didn't happen against Newells, but this time it was like that. And, and of course, he couldn't find the space. Uh, and apart from that. Uh, you talked about the the uh, lack of depth of the, of the Belles attack and Ramis, Jonathan Ramis, who mm. was good against Newells, uh, the follow the previous week. <coughs> now he got injured, uh, uh, crashing to to Arias, the the goalkeeper of Racing, and he had to to get out and and uh, be replaced by Maniero, who I don't really I don't know him. Yeah, um, nor do I. So, but apparently so. he doesn't play as a striker, or, or at least so offensive position like uh, Ramis, but a bit more uh, in the in more more like a midfielder, not so, nor as a striker like Ramis mm. uh, apparently played against, against Racing. Yeah, I mean after after that uh, sub was made, actually I've forgotten about it, but yeah, Vargas then um, was almost again sort of playing like a bit of a false nine they, they, they rejig things yes. a bit and, and it didn't suit him um, but yeah it, it, as I said the, the main if I was a Vélez fan then the main encouragement that I would take from the way these opening two matches have gone so far would be that they were much better in, in the Newells game than they were for vast stretches of last season and those are the games they need to win um, losing to Racing is is frustrating particularly with a, but, a performance that wasn't vintage although they, as I said they did have a few attacks um, but the more important games for this season for Vélez who are not going to be you know, challenging for honours or anything um, is that they can get those those wins against teams like Newell's and teams who are going to be around them in the relegation battle um, and make them count but it's good for them to realise quickly that uh, 
they will possibly don't want supporters of any club, even for Aldo Civi supporters. They think that they can they can win the title, of course. Uh, but it's good for a team like Vélez or the supporters of Vélez to know that they won't. Yeah. Uh, just in the second round because they were easily uh, dominated by, by Racing and well that's something that you we could preview indeed um, one thing that I could not preview or predict was that Newell's against Independiente would be one of the matches that I didn't manage to watch a minute of because I knew I was going to be in the pub when it started I was hoping to at least watch the first half from the bar um, and their remote control was broken so they couldn't change channels and nobody at the bar realised. I later talked to the manager, and the manager said, "Yeah, just unplug the Direct TV box at the back, and then plug it back in five seconds later, and it resets. It's fine." Um, but at the time, nobody who works in that bar on a Friday night is particularly bothered about that kind of stuff. And so um, I just sort of sat there waiting to play pool again without managing to watch any of the football, but following what appeared to be quite an entertaining first half, particularly. Um, I caught snatches of it on the replay later that night, but I wasn't able to sort of sit down and watch the whole thing. Um, but uh, Emmanuel Gigliotti scored twice both in the first half once in the second minute once in the 42nd in between them Hector Ferdoni um, pulled one back well actually equalised when he scored it for, for Newell's um, and then Fabrizio Fontanini scored fairly early in the second half did you manage to catch any of that one? Only the goals and not the very much uh, apart from that it's a pity because it appears, looking at the stats, obviously statistics can tell one story, but from what, from what I've read about it and heard about it afterwards, as well as uh, from the stats that I've now got on my screen, it seems to have been one of the more entertaining games of the weekend as well. Uh, 12 shots for Newell's, 8 for Independiente. Um, both sides you know, getting a decent number off them on target um, and from some decent positions. And Newell's are going to have some issues in defence, I suspect, but at least they might not be quite as boring to watch as last season. And for Independiente, it's the same old, same old. They create plenty of chances, but they can't score. We had it again last night um, when they possibly might have beaten Santos 3-0, but did actually draw with them 0-0. And we're going to talk about that and one or two other things after the break, so don't go away. beginning of the programme, during the music, I joked, because that's what it was, uh, about hoping that we hadn't accidentally included anybody in the podcast that we shouldn't have done. Uh, This is because it's becoming a bit of a thing in continental circles lately. The latest fashion, the new black, if you will, um, is for clubs who are playing Argentine sides to include somebody who's suspended. Or that they have already played for another team in the same competition or mm. before and and they don't realize of course indeed uh so you might remember the case of san lorenzo which is well i, I mentioned it earlier in fact uh who in their first leg against temuco um faced among 10 well along with 10 others um one player who shouldn't have been on the pitch remind me who that was and why jonathan Requena was the player yes he was the one who was cup tied wasn't he yes he had already played the i think defensa justicia mm. Um, and as a result, Temuco's 2-1 win 
uh, in that first leg in the Nuevo Gasometro was overturned and awarded to San Lorenzo as a 3-0 win. And as a result of that, Timuco went out after winning the second leg only 1-0 um, last week. And San Lorenzo are now playing Nacional, who appear to have all of the proper players on the pitch, but we'll see. And a 2-0 up at half-time. Uh, we have also had... There was one with Independiente as well earlier this year, right? Wasn't there? Or was that last year? I think I've no. seen somebody mention it. Anyway, uh, Boca Juniors almost fell victim to it um, against Libertad when Carlos Izquierdos, their new signing, mentioned to them before the game that he was pretty sure he was still suspended from when he was playing in Lanús, that he was suspended for another um, South American continental match still. And they had a check. They asked Conmebol, and after uh, checking everything, they decided not to include him. Not so as not to either they got confirmation that Izquierdos was indeed still suspended, or they didn't get confirmation, but they decided not to run the risk. If it was the latter, then it was a good decision because, as it transpired, Izquierdos was indeed suspended for that match, and they would have been, you know, three nil down to Libertad after the first round rather than one nil up going into the second leg um, of that tie. And on Tuesday night, because today is Wednesday, isn't it? Um, Independiente played their first leg of the Copa Libertadores round of sixteen. They were at home to Santos. Um, they drew nil nil in a match that was quite a lot like River against Belgrano actually from the weekend uh, Independiente completely dominant Santos certainly didn't have a shot in the first half and I can't remember them doing very much in the second either um, Independiente really should have they created at least one chance that was uh, Emmanuel Gigliotti messed up from an incredible position uh, so in that respect, it was even more one-sided than the River game. But they had to settle for a nil-nil draw. And it now transpires, funnily enough, there is a River Plate link here, as well as it just being similar to a River Plate match, um, that Santos had signed and included in the squad Carlos Sanchez after checking a Conmebol system, which was installed in 2016 and which said that he hadn't, that he wasn't suspended. But Sanchez's previous appearance in a South American in a Conmebol competition... Um, was one in which he was red-carded for River um, and given a three-match suspension. This is where it gets a bit complicated, so I hope you're listening. He was given a three-match suspension. The year after, was it 2016 or 2017 yes. when they had the amnesty? It was 2016, 2016 wasn't it? Yes. Uh, the year after, Conmebol uh, had an amnesty to... Um, I mean, I think we we mentioned this at the time, and it, it felt very much as if they were just doing it so as to allow Boca back into the Libertadores because they'd suspended them for a couple of years as a result of uh, the pepper spray incident. Um, but uh, to celebrate Conmebol's hundred years, they had an amnesty in which clubs and players who had suspensions of some sort had all of those suspensions halved. Um, obviously, in Carlos Sanchez's case, where he was given a three-match suspension, you can't suspend a player for one and a half matches. Um, and so they, they did it to the player slash club's um, benefit and so those one and a half matches were rounded down to one match rather than up to one and a half matches um, and during this whole time Sanchez was playing in Mexico so he wasn't involved in any Conmebol competitions because they don't play in, in Conmebol anymore um, and that meant that when he signed for Santos he still had one match of this three match ban to serve Santos checked the system it said he was allowed to play they played him last night and it turns out that the system shouldn't have said that, that he was still suspended. As a result, Conmebol are opening an investigation. Um, 
Independiente might very well be awarded the 3-0 win. Obviously, Santos are going to argue um, that he uh, that, that they included him in good faith, having checked Conmebol's systems, and that if it's Conmebol's fault that Sanchez was included by error, then in, uh, then why should Santos be be um, punished for that? And in that case, I entirely agree with them. But it does depend on what Conmebol's disciplinary committee decides. Well, they should investigate their own system. First. They should, yeah. Yes. Um, then they should have considered this when they installed it because apparently if you've picked up a suspension since 2016 it's all recorded perfectly yes. in the system but some idiot forgot to input the previous suspensions but in there although on the screenshot that Santos had the red card yes. that, that, that uh, Sanchez had picked up for River was in, was was recorded it was the, against Huracan in the um, Sudamericana uh, semi-final it was semi-final? yeah that sounds right yes. doesn't it uh, of that year um, and, and, it, and it was there yes. and it said he's not suspended anymore But, but Conmebol apparently uh, sent a notification but for, to River. And then uh, Sanchez left River. Uh, of course, River won't care about that because, well, mm. it's okay. He won't play here anymore. Uh, and now Santos is suffering for that, from that because the, the, the one who should be notified is Santos. Yeah. Of the team that is assigning a player to play for Conmebol competitions, of course. And, and they didn't uh, receive any notification or news or something that indicated that Sanchez was uh, suspended. It's all very daft. I mean, I can see the argument for leaving the onus on the club and saying, you know, the club has to be the ones whose admin people But are up to date and they have to check players all of this or stuff. If, you, if you're working for a club in the admin and that club signs a player, the first thing that you should do is get in touch with your national FA, get in touch with your continental confederation and check that that player isn't, is, is or is not suspended for any matches and then act accordingly. Um, But at the same time, Conmebol receive the team sheets, you know, and everything like this, hours before the game. Say something then. Why wait for the match to be played and then go, oh, by the way, you shouldn't have included this guy who's a key player in your team. So we're going to give the other team a 3-0 win. I mean, just tell them before. How do I know? Well, it's, it's, it's your problem. It's ridiculous. As it happens, in this case, a 3-0 win is more or less a reflection of how the first leg went if it weren't the fact that Independiente couldn't hit a cow's ass with a banjo um, but I mean just just tell them if they hand you a team sheet and there's a suspended player on it go hey you've got four hours to change this or you haven't because you have to have the team sheet in two hours before yes. kickoff or whatever but, yeah, because but you say okay look we'll give you five minutes stick another stick a different after this it's okay every, every team will check there are 25 players you would hope so but, but they check I would have thought they'd have done that after what happened to Temuco as well yes. admittedly it's not quite but as they, high profile. but they check and, and they say it's okay mm. that's, yeah that's the problem that as well yeah and, and so I, I think in this case I, I, I think it'll be a, a disgrace actually if, if Santos get the punishment given that Conme or assuming that Conmebol um, did indeed have it on this system assuming that this um a uh, screenshot that Santos have, have sort of published for the world is not something that they've doctored up themselves. I mean, I'm not trying to suggest there is any suggestion of that. I'm just trying to conspiracy theorize a little bit and uh, play it safe. But if, if it's genuine, then they shouldn't be punished. Yes. Um, but it's conmable. So who knows? We, we shall find out uh, in the next couple of days because the second leg is, is going to be next week. And something happened similar, not similar in terms of the players, but the teams... I think River Racing and Independiente were uh, received a punishment or a fine from Conmebol, and they don't uh, explain why or the teams or the the, play, the 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 matches in which they committed or made this mistake or this uh, 
thing that uh, made them receive the punishment. Mm. Um, that's also something to 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 check because uh, you say Comeol says to River Russia and the oh, well you you will be fine with fifteen thousand dollars and we will uh, receive that from the television television or the broadcasting rights that you will receive we will discount that yeah but why well you made this in this and, and there's no may, uh, no clear uh, explanation of why and what happened no uh, well this with the players appears to be something very similar yes absolutely it does Four minutes into the second half, by the way, speaking of continental competition, San Lorenzo are still 2-0 up against Nacional, um, just in case you were wondering. Obviously, if that match hasn't finished by the time we finish recording, I will give you the full-time score after the final whistle of the podcast, so um, don't panic. Um, moving on to listeners' questions, I think, okay. now. Yes. Oh, I guess the, 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 the squad was announced last week, wasn't it? The, the national team squad. Uh, we won't go into very much detail on that, though. Just to say, as I mentioned already, Matias Vargas uh, from Vélez is there. Uh, other first call-ups include Gonzalo Martinez of River Plate. Um, and... Do you remember anyone else? Uh, local, you mean? The Argentinian League? Yeah, or just general... Oh, Franco Vasquez is the big one. Ah, yes. uh, who apparently was included in the squad. And now Argentina are petitioning FIFA to allow him to play. You remember last week that we yes. discussed the fact that he's only played for Italy in friendlies. So he's... Uh, technically allowed if Argentina can get the the allowance. Um, yeah, apparently Argentina have now requested that permission. You would have thought that they would have done that before putting him in the squad, um, but uh, they've they've waited until this point. It's not expected no, to be a major issue. But. Apparently, it's not that easy because Franco Vázquez uh, may have to resign to his na- Italian nationality. Uh, as far okay. as I heard, yes. Oh well, that seems strange. Yes. Even when he played for uh, only friendly and not was not official competition, I, well, perhaps it's FIFA date and, and it's a friendly, but not something that you, well, of course, any any competition. I mean, uh, quali- qualifiers for any 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 uh, World Cup or yeah, e- Euro in terms of the case of Euro. Uh, and I, even so, apparently, well, I heard this yesterday that uh, he will have to, of course. I mean, if he will, if he chooses to play for Argentina. It has sense because uh, he won't. <laughs> yes, he won't play for Italy. The problem is that if he doesn't have the passport, then yes. and he will. Uh, but he's uh, currently got Italian and Argentine passports. It's not like he had to yeah. give up his Argentine passport. Yeah. I mean, they allowed dual nationality, so I, I, I can't see why he would have to. As well as which, his club would presumably be quite pissed off about that because he'd lose EU nationality and he'd be counted yes. as a foreigner towards their quotas as well. Um, that's a strange situation yes. to be in. Anyway, um, we will discuss that squad in a bit more depth, I guess, before the international break, um, closer to the time. So let's get on to listeners' questions. Ash says, when will FIFA take over the AFA for incompetence and likely corruption? I'm sorry, I don't have any serious questions this week. Uh, that's happened. Actually, very recently, uh, about two years ago, um, when the Comisión Normalizadora was in charge, Armando Pérez was the president of the AFA right before Claudio Tapia became president in the current administration. Um, so it's not likely to happen now. I assume that Ash is sort of, obviously, as he says, he's half joking, or possibly entirely yes. joking. Uh, and I assume that this is inspired by the current situation in Uruguay. But um, it, it has, in fact, happened here very recently. 
perhaps the right question will be, or perhaps more complete question will be, and and after that, happened? Did something happen? Did some something change? Well, no. No. But uh, yes, it happened. Indeed, Cody Laboy says. After some pretty dismal displays against Temuco and in the Superliga, what are San Lorenzo's chances against Nacional in the Sudamericana? Thanks for the fine work. Cody tweeted this question to us two hours ago or three hours ago. No, our big chances, of course. Well before the match kicked off, but I'm going to say now, uh, with the benefit of looking at the television and seeing that San Lorenzo is still 2-0 up with 53 minutes gone in the first leg, that San Lorenzo have a chance. Yes. Pre-match, I would have probably said I'm expecting if well, Nacional are halfway competent. If Nacional gets the two-two, the so feared result, well, that will be different. <laughs> yes, yeah, indeed. Uh, but for the moment, San Lorenzo have an excellent chance, Cody. Uh, Tom Robinson says, can Argentine clubs use their excellent administrative knowledge to three-nil all the way to a continental clean sweep? Yes, that that would be pretty funny. It would also be pretty embarrassing because it does make something of a ridiculousness of the tournament um, if, if, if that were to happen obviously um, but the Argentine clubs certainly seem to be the ones with their fingers on the pulse um, when it comes to these regulations so who knows yes, maybe they, they, obviously from a logical point of view though at some point you get an Argentine club coming up against another Argentine club well yes, River Racing but, in fact and they'll leave out the yes, at the but moment, that's right? tricky because you, you they that will make teams say well, we didn't play well, but we will check whether there are the other team having played a, a, a player in a wrong way, and it's enough. Yeah, I don't really have a problem with that, though. Mm-hmm. I mean, you have to win within the rules. If if you yes. include a player who shouldn't be included, then you're not winning within the rules. Um, but yeah, I mean, I agree that it, it's... But there are Argentine teams, bit. or board members... Apparently, have this uh, of knowing a lot of the uh, the, mm. the re- rules and the regulations, because when they they the they article two hundred twenty five was uh, active, now it's not anymore. They yeah, can't. Of course, yeah. Uh, they they used it a lot, and and they were aware of which player was injured for uh, to take advantage of that, and it's incredible how they they know a lot of that about that, and 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 well, they used. That they are intelligent for that, of course. Article 225, which Andres just mentioned, is an article of the AFA's uh, regulations which no longer exists. It was scrapped about a year or two ago. I think it was scrapped with the Superliga, actually, wasn't it? Yes. Or possibly yes. six months before that. Um, and it used to allow a club who had a player suspended to replace that, or, or to have that, player, have that player's suspension uh, delayed um, if a different player at the same club was injured whilst on international duty or was currently on international duty um, and they would use this I mean this would be ridiculous sometimes it would be like if Argentina under 17s were playing a friendly tournament and one of that club's youth team players who's never been anywhere near the first team um, happened to get called up then uh, I mean to pick a name out of thin air but to give you an idea about how important the, the equivalent player could be to the club Juan Roman Riquelme could have a suspension uh, just delayed for sort of a month um, if he'd been sent off in a match. Uh, it was that kind of thing, um, and it was scrapped a couple of years ago. So if you're a relatively new, if, if you're a long-term Handapod listener, then you'll probably have, you know you'll have heard us moaning about this a lot of times, and you'll be familiar with it. Uh, if you're a relatively new listener, um, and we have picked up a fair few new listeners, it would seem in, in the last few months, uh, possibly aided by the World Cup, then um, that's what Andres was referring to just then. Yes. Uh, Stephen Hooley says. 
With no global friendly games this week, will Argentine teams now prioritise their league games? And also, when will River score a goal? Um, the answer to the first question, I think, is yes. Possibly, at last. Although there are Sudamericana matches and, and Libertadores matches taking place still, so not necessarily all of them. And when will River score a goal? I am optimistic that we might see a River goal in either the Libertadores or the league, obviously in the Copa Argentina. They're going to score a few, probably. Um, but I, I reckon they can do one in the league before Christmas. Yes. I'm, I'm optimistic about this. They, they play against Argentinos, who you mentioned that they also... They neither score the goal, mm. so it will be apparently... Or they could be a one, under 1.5 uh, well, match. And um, they play again on for River. It's a second consecutive match. They play at the Monumental Saturday at 8 p.m. It's a nice, of course, nice time time to watch to watch football. At least in Argentina, of course, not in Europe, perhaps. Yeah, this this weekend actually, the schedule is really interesting because there are four games on, on Friday, Friday evening. Yes. There are two at seven, two at nine. And when I first saw this, while I was preparing the the posters for my local, I think I mentioned that I do that uh, a few times in the last couple of weeks. I got quite confused at first. I was, I was like, oh. Why are there four matches on and Friday and so many on Saturday? Yes. And then I looked. It's because all of the Libertadores second legs are next week. So a bunch of yes. clubs want to play as early as they can in, in the weekend yes. um, as possible so they get maximum rest time ahead of those. Uh, so Racing, I think, are playing on Friday night, if I remember rightly. Yes, and River on, on Saturday. Saturday. That's a, well, of course, we could, I could cry and go to the Superliga <laughs> and, and complain. Well, it's uh, like that and... Of course, we will have one day less to rest, and they have a lot of injured injured players. Today, Mora, Rodrigo Mora, I think oh, yeah. he wouldn't even play in a certain lineup. Uh, got a knee, got a, got injured, and apparently it's a, uh, I don't know which if it's a, it's a I, I I forget to say the hard. It's a tear. A tear, yeah. Sorry, tear, yeah, muscle yes. tear. Um, sorry, I didn't pick up that you were asking me for help there. Um, I'm going to be really optimistic and say that I, I think River will score this weekend. Okay, we will see. Who knows? It, does, it might depend on the conditions, but oh no, Saturday's meant to be really nice, isn't it? Yes, on Friday apparently. The one the day that apparently will be raining will will be on Friday. Ah, so it might depend on how heavily it rains on Friday and how waterlogged <laughs> the pitch gets. But uh, anyway, Oscar Pep Mulder says, "When will Guillermo Barros Esqueloto?" understand that this false nine gimmick doesn't... Hey, look at that. I completely forgot they asked this question. I did retweet it earlier. Um, that this false nine gimmick doesn't work. It didn't work with Tevez and it will not work with Sarate either. I think the problem is more that the two wingers who are coming in and to pick up the false nines through balls are not perhaps the best finishers in the world. Um, but, I mean... Yeah, as I said, it does feel like he's a bit wedded to the system at the moment. I think a 4-2-3-1 with, with either Avila or when he's fit, Benedetto leading the line would suit Boca much more and with Sarate playing in behind the, that player. The, the times I watched the team play with the, that false nine didn't work. Mm. I mean, Argentina national team, now Boca, and yes, apparently they insist. It worked quite well for Barros Equilotto at Lanús, but he had a, you know, a very different kind of team there. And they had a lot less pressure on them. Um Little Bird says, if my calculations are correct, Armani needs to reach six minutes in the second half against Boca to have the league-wide clean sheet record. He is, I mean, I don't know whether your calculations are correct, but he is about 230 minutes or something away from it at the moment. Uh, that is Argentinos, San Lorenzo, San Martín de San Juan, and at least 51 minutes against Boca. 
What do you think about his odds? Do you think it's doable? No. It's Probably only, not. Yes, to, but not to consider a single goal, I see difficult. On, on the one hand, there's a reason it's a record. On the other hand, there's a reason that he's getting closer to it than anyone has been for a long time because that record's been standing since the 80s or something, hasn't it? Who, do you know who holds it at the moment? Mm. I saw the name tweeted over the weekend when Armani broke the river record, and I can't remember now. Um, Argentinos, I think there's a, a chance that he will. San Lorenzo, he's going to have to keep Blandi out which uh, even when San Lorenzo aren't playing particularly well, which they're not, um, is, is quite difficult, as the evidence that we've seen so far tonight proves. San Martín de San Juan shouldn't be too much of a problem, and then Boca is going to be a big challenge. So his odds... Mm, mm, I'd give you 4-1 to one yes. at the moment. If he gets through Argentinos and San Lorenzo, we'll talk again and I'll cut the price quite significantly. Um, but uh, San Lorenzo and Boca are, you know, they're the two big five teams that you mentioned there, and they are also the two biggest challengers um, to to break that run. Uh, Little Bird also says it's not a question, but about last week's, you must not have been listening for very long, which which I told him after he asked about the promedios. I think uh, guilty as charged. I've been listening for the past five or six episodes only. So uh, welcome to the podcast, Little Bird. Yes. I hope that you continue to enjoy it. Um, Lawrence Hart says he's got three questions for us at least three questions uh, was last week's trip advisor review of Florencio Barrena the finest district in southern Buenos Aires based on personal experience I don't have a clue what you're talking about Lawrence well he, he must have my, my must have checked trip advisors uh, clues on, on, on Florencio Barrena I mean the the Defensa Justicia uh, neighborhood right but I don't know what they said there Yeah, I can't see... I mean, I've just Googled it, and I can't see any news story that's gone viral about a trip, a trip advisor, uh, Florencio Moreno review. Perhaps I, he's the one who wrote it. Unless we made a joke that we've now forgotten about. I can't remember. Or, or he might, might have uh, wrote it, written it, perhaps, and... Hmm. and Sorry, Lawrence. Uh, we can't answer that one. Uh, Lawrence also says, which club outside of the Grandes has made the most about progress since... has made the most progress since the start of Hand of Pod? So we're talking in the last eight years now. Obviously, the boom and bust nature of many of the smaller teams in Argentine football might make this a hard question to answer. Um, it does. I mean, I would have said, if you'd asked us this a year ago, I would have said Lanús. Um, and then they had a bizarre season in which, at the, on the one hand, they were really disappointing consistently in the league. And on the other, they made their first ever Copa Libertadores final. Um, so maybe them. Rosario Central have made yes. three of the last four Copa Argentina finals or something like that. They still haven't won any trophies though. Um, there have been a couple, but consistent improvements over the course of, of those eight years. Um, Belgrano with Zielinski was a very, very good team, very solid. Now, well, Zielinski is not there anymore since a long time ago. You could also argue San Lorenzo on the basis that when when we were first recording, they were involved in relegation battles all the time and having to um, uh, employ Ricardo Caruso Lombardi to get them out of trouble. And uh, they have since won the Copa Libertadores for the first time in their history and, and yes. by and large are normally one of the stronger sides. I mean, even now, when we're saying that they've been playing very poorly now for a number of months so far this year, they still finished, what was it, third or fourth in the league last season. So, 
Maybe them. In the last two years, the Pense Justicia. No, he says outside the Grande, sorry, the Sala yes. are Grande, so carry on. The last two years, the Pense Justicia have, have improved a lot. That's a good call. Yes. Or Tacheres, yes. possibly as well. Uh, let's go for Defensa Justicia or Tacheres. Uh, and Lawrence also says, has there been much coverage on the southern side of the... Uh, Lawrence says river, but I'm going to correct him and say it, it's an estuary, Lawrence. Don't ever say that to an Argentine, but it is an estuary. Um, about the problems that are affecting Uruguayan football in relation to the FIFA intervention. How will this affect the validity of the joint bid to host the World Cup? It's I mean, the joint bid to host the World Cup is in 12, 12 years, years for the, that um, World Cup, right? So if FIFA do take them over, then our own experience of this happening in Argentina is that they're not going to be in charge for 12 years. Um, yes. There hasn't been that much coverage here. Uh, the the no. continental I, wide I heard that, uh, uh, news the channels for sport are all yes. based in Buenos Aires, and they've obviously talked about it a bit because they're continent-wide. Um, but by and large, the Uruguayan football media is fairly well-established on its own because of how long football has been a thing in Uruguay um, compared with, well, you know, compared with any other country apart from basically Great Britain, the Netherlands and Argentina itself. Uh, football has been around in Uruguay for a very, very long time. Um, and so although Uruguay is very small, it does have its, its own uh, football media with a very strong sense of being Uruguayan and not really, if you go there, being that uh, influenced by the Argentine uh, situation. And as such, their stuff doesn't tend to get reported in great depth here. I'm aware that there's something going on. I haven't been curious enough about it to click any links and read about it, I must admit, uh, because no one's going to... The only Maybe thing I heard, heard about is but that uh, the president of the Uruguayan Federation has resigned. But uh, uh, if that's the only thing that happened, and well, apparently Lawrence says that there was an intervention from FIFA. Yeah, FIFA, FIFA threatening to, um, to I, th I guess, do something that's similar to what they did here with the Comisión yes. well, de Sonora. It happened here, Comité. and Argentine football is still being played with all the mistakes, all the those things, and. Football is still is still being played, uh, but uh, I don't think there were any Uruguayan worried about our situation. This doesn't mean that I don't want Uruguayan football to to have their president of the federation and and not to be uh, not to have this intervention. Uh, but the reality is that I don't think Uruguayan people were very worried about us or about Argentinian football when. Uh, Grandona died, and after that, there were a lot of, well, the the the, the elections uh, finishing 38 is, mm. I think, the most ridiculous in thing in history of football. Uh, but I don't think there were any other, not Uruguayan. I mean, any other uh, uh, football supporter from any other country being really worried about what happened here. No. Um. So yeah, I mean, where the, the coverage has been such that uh, most Argentine football fans are probably vaguely aware that there's something going on. Um, obviously, I mean, I, I say that I haven't clicked on anything because I'm, I'm a bit more aware of that than most because I'm on Twitter all the time. I mean, I'm aware that the players, uh, the union, uh, are, are threatening um, various things and and and, what, and the national team in particular um, and all the rest of it. But yeah, it's it's not something that has been. Uh, talked about in great depth. I would recommend um, La Celeste blog if you uh, want to read in more depth than we can provide um, on Uruguayan football. Go and uh, give them a... I think they have a podcast still. Um, oh. So go and give them a listen or definitely a read uh, for more of that. 
I, I recall, for example, Uruguayan players that play in the national team uh, defending much more than Argentinian players do for their national team about their contracts and their things related to the national team. For example, the 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 the, the company that uh, will sponsor them uh, or or the clothes. I mean, uh, Puma is the one, and they want uh, the national the federation wanted to change to Nike. And I remember, for example, Diego Odin and, and Cavani and the most uh, exper experienced players deny or, or at least refuse to to change uh, because, uh, well, uh, there was something there uh, that had to do with, with their uh, matters or something more internal things that uh, they wanted to preserve, and and they they discuss these things with the with the with the board members with the directors. Uh, I remember that from Uruguay, and I, I imagine that they will try to solve this at least, and the players being involved in this. Uh, mm. uh, I imagine that. Yes, indeed. Yeah, there's there's a lot of solidarity uh, between the national team and, and the players there. Um, Nacional have just scored a penalty, which was about as clear cut as I've seen. Uh, the San Lorenzo. I didn't see which San Lorenzo defender it was who gave it away, but he basically kicked the guy in the, in the knee. But he was um, scored by Vergesio. And it has former. been scored, yeah, yes. by Gonzalo Vergesio, the former San Lorenzo striker, has just asked for forgiveness from the crowd. Nicely taken penalty, that as well. Yes. Completely salt dummy to the goalkeeper and tucked it just inside the, the post that the goalkeeper that, did that's the towards. That is something uh, remarkable. Uh, there, there are 10 men to, to take the penalty. And the one who takes it is the former player and then he asks well if he's he the says, first well, for well, if he's his team's first choice yes. penalty taker then why shouldn't he yes okay yes, you know, he's not going to okay. celebrate it but no absolutely he's got a job to do um, I agree with that it's fine um, there are no more questions no one has sent in any um, predictions for the weekend to come which means that the predictions that you hear after this theme music are going to be Mystic Sam's and Mystic Sam's alone so don't go away We had a very exciting moment during that break uh, when I looked at our Twitter notifications and saw that Lawrence had volunteered. He said, has anyone come forward to do the predictions or am I too late? I responded to him saying that if he did it in the next two minutes, um, then he could do the predictions. San Lorenzo, by the way, have scored a penalty of their own now, so they're now 3-1 up against Nacional. Um, and we have heard nothing back from him. We've been waiting now for 11 minutes. Um, so, sorry, Lawrence. But uh, predictions are, are going to be mine, unless you get yours in while I'm reading these out. This weekend's fixtures are as follows, and we're going for the following, or I'm going for the following things. Belgrano versus Estudiantes. I have decided that Estudiantes are going to win that one. I've gone for... Oh, I've only gone for four away wins, actually, this weekend, but uh, two of them are the first two matches. Patronato against Racing, I think it's going to be a Racing win. Both of the nine o'clock games on Friday night, I think, are going to be draws. Those are Atletico Tucumán against Colón and Independiente against Defensa y Justicia. On Saturday, I'm going for Gimnasia to get a home win over Tacheres, Tigre to get a home win over San Martín de San Juan, and River to get a home win over Argentinos Juniors. Huracán, I think, are going to lose at home to Boca Juniors. Vélez, I fancy to beat Banfield in Liniers. 
Lanus in Lanus, I think, are going to beat Aldo Sibi. Central, I think, are going to get a home win over San Martín de Tucumán. Um, on Monday evening, I think it's going to be Godoy Cruz against Newells will be a draw. And San Lorenzo to get a victory away to Union. That's without knowing when the second leg of this tie we're watching right now is going to be played. Uh, so if it is next week, then that will be annoying. We have just had a couple of questions in while I was reading those out from Ese Todoriki via email, who says... For some reason, my internet's gone really slow on my computer, so I'll just read these off my phone. Uh, he says, How frustrating was the River versus Belgrano game? To which the answer, I'm assuming that he uh, is asking us from the River sympathiser's point of view. Uh, very. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Indeed. Uh, and what is the average time that a manager has in the Superliga before getting fired? You'd need some kind of spreadsheet to work that out. Um, Sorry, what was it? The average time that a manager is allowed in charge of a team before getting sacked in the Superliga. Well, uh, I think that at this point there is not uh, that... Uh, there are a lot of rounds, that's why perhaps there is not that hysteria of sacking a manager after three, two or three matches, but not more than six months if, if the results are not uh, the, the one the results that are expected, of course. But what, what I might do, actually, given that the Superliga, you know, I mean, I realise that SA probably means, generally speaking, uh, you know, in the top flight in Argentina over the last X years or whatever. But given that the Superliga started this time last year, um, I might start a spreadsheet or something to work out how long each club goes before sacking their manager on average because we had one was it was it Newells or somebody went through about three managers last season yes yeah that, yes. that sounds right doesn't it so work out the average time um, and if I remember to do this I'll get back to you on that one um, next week on next week's episode we, yes we the can, third, uh, third round after the second round you mean uh, no third sorry yes yeah yeah but I mean also including last week's um, uh, last season's sorry uh, yes. sackings hirings and firings um if you can hear a little bit of banging about in the background, it's because I decided to let the cat out for that last part and, and she promptly found something right next to the microphone on the table to play with and uh, has now jumped down onto the floor. So sorry for that. Um, if you are a Hand of Pod listener, then we will you'll hear from us again um, next week. Obviously, continue to listen and I will confirm to you in a few minutes' time that San Lorenzo have beaten Nacional 3-1 because there are 87 minutes gone in that now. If you're a Hand of Pod extra listener, then you'll be hearing or you possibly will have already heard as Latrice jumps up to the microphone again, um, a hand of pod extra, which Andres and I will be recording in a couple of minutes' time. For now, thank you, everybody, whether you're a supporter financially, in which case, thank you very much indeed, um, or a listener and promoter of our podcast, in which case, thank you also very much indeed. You'll hear from us again next week. Uh, thanks and goodbye for now from Andres. Thank you, goodbye. And from me, thanks and goodbye. San Lorenzo versus Nacional has just finished and a couple of minutes after we stopped uh, recording, or rather a couple of minutes after we started recording Hand Pod Extra, uh, San Lorenzo scored a penalty of their own um, to win 3-1 on the night. So Nacional have an away goal, as long as they didn't accidentally include somebody who shouldn't have been included. Yes. <laughs> um, this, uh, Nacional have an away goal, um, but it's a pretty commanding position for San Lorenzo as that tie goes back to the Centenario next 
month. I was about to say next week, but Andres actually showed me the date already. It's the 21st, right? Or no, 26th um, of next month. Is the, um, it's in more than one month's time. Welcome to the Copa Sudamericana. Uh, also, while we were recording Hand of Pod Extra just now, Lawrence uh, did get round to sending me his predictions. So here are Lawrence's predictions without any mystical theme music, I'm afraid, but at least we get somebody to challenge me. Uh, Rosario Central versus... Hang on a second, it's not started at the top there. Um, uh, he is going for Boca Juniors to beat um, whoever they're playing, Huracan. He's, I'm having to search these out on the little list that I've drawn up with my own now as well. Uh, he's going for Patronato against Racing to be a Racing win, which is something that we both went for already because he's got some common sense. Union versus San Lorenzo. Lawrence says it's going to be a draw. I had gone for a San Lorenzo win. Um, River against Argentinos Juniors. He's going for a River win. Um, Belgrano versus Estudiantes. He's going for an Estudiantes win. Uh, like I did. Godoy Cruz against Newell's is a Godoy Cruz win, according to Lawrence. Uh, Gimnasia versus Tacheres. He's going for Gimnasia to win that one. He's going for Atletico Tucumán against Colón to finish all square. Um, he is saying Venice versus Banfield is also a draw. Uh, Rosario Central versus San Martín de San Juan. He's going for a Central win in that one. Uh, which other ones have we got? Tigre versus San Martin is a draw, apparently. Uh, Lanús versus Aldo Civi is gone for a Lanús win in that one. And Independiente versus Defensa Justicia is a draw. So we have enough different predictions there, I think, to make it, it it's um, different. Obviously, I normally... Uh, I read these out and I make my predictions on the spot whilst reading the other person's out. And so if there are too many that seem a bit similar, I, I vary things up a little bit and go for a couple that I don't necessarily think. Uh, but here, we've both gone for a fair few of the same results, but there are enough uh, different ones to throw the cat among the pigeons. So we'll see how that goes. Good luck, Lawrence. Or worst of luck, Lawrence. Uh, thanks, everybody, and goodbye. One other very quick addition, which hopefully I've uh, managed to edit in without um, you noticing too much, but I've just pointed it out to you, is that in a match that both Andres and I had completely forgotten was taking place, Atletico de Rafaela have just beaten Lanús 2-1 in the Copa Argentina. Bye for now.